Welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Catholic Dogs Podcast. On today's episode, Father Brian sits down with our service chair, Liz Quilliams. They talk about what it means to be a Christian and to serve others in their various travels across the world. It's a fascinating conversation. We really hope you guys enjoy it. Just as a reminder, if you want to get involved, you can always reach out to Father Brian or to Liz. Their contact info is on our website, ccatuga.org. Enjoy the episode. We landed in Jamaica. It was absolutely stunning, beautiful. It was absolutely incredible because not only did we land in Jamaica as our Catholic Center group, but there were hundreds of like University of Georgia students there on mission, just with different organizations. So it was like the UGA takeover in Jamaica that week. Um, like we landed in the airport and it was like, did we leave Athens? Because there's my friend, there's my roommate. <laughs> so it was really funny, but we actually were all over Jamaica. And so our first encounter is driving along the ocean towards uh, Negril, which is where we were staying. Um, and everybody was just so taken by how beautiful this place was, but also how like impoverished they were. And we didn't know what to expect. This was my personally my first like out of country mission trip. So um, I didn't have a lot of expectations of how it was going to go, but God exceeded everything I could have imagined, though. But we got there. We stayed with some Franciscans at um, the house, or I guess it was like some condos they had next door to their church. The church was literally across the street from the beach, which was fantastic. But, um, yeah, when we got there, we... Sorry, I'm collecting my thoughts. I haven't thought about this trip in a really long time. I'm kind of glad you brought it up because it was such a moving experience. I feel like I'm there. You feel like you're there? Okay, let me set the image. They had their church. It was so cool. The windows were like the shutter windows, and it was all open airflow, mm-hmm. which was very cool. And it was windy and cool, and you could, like, smell the ganja. <laughs> but you could also smell the beach a little bit. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, just, like, having mass, it felt like you were very much so in touch with nature at the same time. Um, we basically split up into separate groups and, like, served different ministries each day. So my first day, I believe, we went to a soup kitchen, and these ladies who volunteered, um, they cooked um, rice and peas and jerk chicken um, and chicken foot soup, which I didn't try. <laughs> not my, not my thing. <laughs> um, but then we got to then serve people, um, the food after we helped them with like the dishes and cooking it during the day. And we got to make relationships with these people who were coming up to get the food. And sometimes it was just like a five second encounter of handing them a plate. Other times it was, they wanted to know why you were here what you were doing, like your name, and that was really special. Um, Every night we got to spend time at the beach together, so that was really cool, Um, watching the sunsets. 
there were, it was a fun dynamic because we were there on a mission trip, but then there was also lots of spring breakers. So it was, it was fun. Yet, like, we'd be on the beach and prayerful watching the sunset, like, look at God's mercy. And then these people right next to us just having a blast. But it was great. Um, We worked at a school, which was my personal favorite because these kids just, they, like, needed to be loved, you know? Like, they wanted that attention and they deserved it in every way. But also just, like, seeing how much they lacked but how they didn't realize that they were lacking, you know, like proper reading materials and they were running out of pencils and paper. Um, They were just so joyful. That's one thing I remember about every single person that I encountered. Every single person was so joyful and they had so little. And it makes you reflect on your own life and say, I have all of this, and so how can I, like, not be happy when they're so... You know what I mean? It's it's a really cool dynamic to see. But, um, yeah, working at the school was a lot of fun. I know that was everybody's, like, highlight, just going and seeing the kids. On the days where we didn't get to go to the school, we wanted to, like, stop by and say hi to them. They actually... It was really hard to leave them. <laughs> they wanted to know if you were coming back. Um, they wanted to give us, like, their phone numbers and emails to, like, stay in touch. And then... The third project we did was painting their homework center and counseling center. Um, so the priests there, super influential in that community, they travel all over to do mass for these people out in the bush, which is like the middle of nowhere, and people walk to go to church like an hour. Can you imagine? Like people complain about having to show up to mass 30 minutes early and these people have to walk an hour (laughs) to just get there. Um, So yeah, we painted that. It was a lot of really great just like bonding, getting to talk to each other, getting to know the people that we were working with. Um, And every night we cooked each other dinner, which was so much fun. My group, uh, we made breakfast for dinner because we didn't know how to cook real food. At least I don't. So I suggested pancakes because everybody knows how to make pancakes. And personally, I think it was the best uh, meal of the week. But if I had to think of like the highlight of the trip, it would probably be mass. That first Sunday we were there, we were sitting down in the back. It was just a few of us that went out to the bush for mass with um, Father Colin, who was one of the Franciscans there. And when we go up for communion, we started to sing One Bread, One Body. And this was, they had been singing traditional, like, Jamaican songs prior to this. Mm. Was it reggae? It was a little reggae, yeah. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) But all of a sudden... I'm trying to get a reggae mass here. Oh, we should definitely do that. Yeah. We asked the Jamaica mission trip kids to help out. We have some experience (laughs) now. But um, just, like, walking up to communion, and you're in another country with, like, these people you've never met before who are, you know, like, your brothers and sisters in Christ, but, again, another country, and, like, just realizing, like, recognizing the universality of the Catholic Church and how we're singing one bread, one body, all receiving communion, like, it was just really beautiful to, like, experience that moment. So that was probably the highlight of my trip, but... Such an amazing experience. I loved that trip so much. I really hope we get to continue doing spring break missions again. So, yeah. Yeah, so the universality of, like, 
you encountering the church, the same church elsewhere, uh, and then finding yourselves in solidarity or in a oneness with uh, the folks in a, a different part of the world. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Brothers that's and sisters cool. in Christ, even though you don't even know them. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Hmm. So yeah. this this weekend you also did Oasis. I did. What do you do? What is Oasis? Yes. So at what, Oasis. What is an Oasis? What is an Oasis? Well, in this sense, <laughs> <laughs> the sisters here, they run um, a homework center in the middle of this sh- like trailer park. Um, I can't remember the name of it at the moment. Pinewood Estates. Pinewood Estates. Thank you. And currently, I also tutored there. It's um, Hispanic children who's you know, parents obviously can't help them with homework. A lot of, like, younger education is a lot of expecting your parents to do schoolwork with the child. Otherwise, a lot of learning doesn't happen. And they're... Because their parents speak Spanish and they Because their parents speak Spanish and most often are uneducated in the same way that their children are able to be... Or now being educated. Um... So these tutors come in, and they do the homework with the kids. They do a little bit of tutoring after the fact, after school, so that they're not behind in any way just because of a language deficit or anything like that. And these kids are, like, amazing. They're, they are so excited to learn. They're great kids. But So the sisters do that. Right now it's a lot harder because of COVID, so they've actually been trying to organize it through Zoom. But um, anyway... That's one thing they do at Oasis. <laughs> but also in this community, they um, provide food to families who are having a hard time accessing that right now, who are maybe out of work um, in this community. So they have a big food truck come in and drop off thousands of pounds of food. And my job, as well as um, another student that comes, we've had... Two uh, students come so far. This Saturday was my friend Cecilia. We broke down all of these cardboard boxes. That's what I love about this. They don't violate anything that they believe in and serving one thing. They, you know, stick with their mission all the way through. So just because it's creating a lot of waste, they don't actually let that go to waste. They then recycle everything that the food comes in. So we break down cardboard boxes. We help distribute the different food items into different bins and separate it out evenly for people. Father Fred is a huge help in this. He carries lots of milk at one time and gets things done fast. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's a lot of fun just to see all of the people who come out and help and then also to see the families be able to receive, um, you know, that food after we're done um, distributing. So yeah, it was good. And then we go and we take the recycled, the cardboard boxes to the recycling center, which is on Jail Road, which is like right where the prison is. Funny story, actually. I called my mom on my way to go recycle just to tell her good morning. I didn't answer when she called me back because I was in the middle of recycling. She kept calling me. And I was like, why is she calling me so many times? She looked at my location, <laughs> saw that I was at the Athens like Clark County prison <laughs> and thought that I was in trouble. I was like, no mom, I'm, I'm just doing community service. You know, I, it's, we're, we're good. I'm just recycling. <laughs> just recycling. <laughs> so that was funny. She was really worried about me. So. 
That's I don't great. think I would be fine. You're doing so much service. So you did Jamaica. You said you did tutoring, and now you're doing. Uh, you're helping Oasis, the sisters at Oasis, do uh, the distribution of the food. Yeah. And now you also want to start a homeless ministry. We have started one. We yes. have started one. Well, as long yeah, as we donations I mean, get brought in, we have yeah. started one. Yes. Yes, you're at Mass on, on Sunday. You advertise that you are starting this homeless ministry, uh, which is basically, uh, what are you doing? It's relief packages or like, so like toilet, toiletries and snacks, snacks. Yeah. And socks, underwear, socks, underwear, like especially hand because sanitizer. hand sanitizer mm-hmm. is good. I know when uh, COVID first began, uh, the homeless population uh, was very vulnerable to this, and they still are, obviously. Exactly. Uh, so that's very that's very nice. Yeah, and so you're collecting now, right? Correct. As we of are today, collecting you're collecting for two weeks for the next two weeks, and finishing on October fourth. Yes. And you are going to distribute these. Yes. So the plan is to have a day of service learning where we have someone come in and educate us. You're the one who brought service learning to my attention. I thought service all had to be... You're these. welcome. Thank you. I Thank you. <laughs> I call it advocacy. Exactly. Um, or advocacy, education, service learning. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's great. Because, you know, when That's some people great. think of service, you think of these big acts where you go out and you do so much. Um, but really, it's also in the little things and also like you said through education through advocacy so we're gonna have a speaker come in um date to be determined speaker to be determined (laughs) um and just tell us about the poverty in Athens about homelessness um how we can better love these people um and then I'd really love for all those who are in attendance to write a little note of love of just you know you're seen I'm praying for you, for these homeless people. Um, And then we're going to assemble those care packages and then in teams distribute throughout Athens um, to different areas um, to these homeless people. So I'm really excited about it. And like you were saying, it's a lot of people participating on both ends. So a lot of people get to donate and participate in that way, but also then people can go and distribute. And anyone can participate. So, Correct. So anyone. anyone can donate if you'd like to donate, and then anyone can help distribute Correct. Uh, if they would like to distribute. That's yes. awesome. Very yeah. excited about it. Yeah. You are on fire. Thanks. You were on fire. <laughs> don't, as a spiritual firefighter, yeah. don't, you can't put this fire out. <laughs> <laughs> This you, is the good kind of fire. You are on fire. <laughs> you so you this year just looking at okay so like look let's look at this year. Okay. So you went to Jamaica. I went to Jamaica. You helped tutor in the past year. Last fall you helped tutor? Correct. You helped distribute food at Oasis. Correct. <laughs> what else are you doing? What else am I doing? You started a homeless ministry. I started a homeless ministry. Would the March for Life count? I feel like that's adequacy for being That's pro-life. huge, yeah. What was that? That was actually so much fun. A couple uh, of people from the Catholic Center hopped in my car, and we drove to Washington, D.C. on a Friday night. <laughs> Maybe it was a Thursday night. Thursday night. Um, 
spent the night somewhere in Virginia, woke up the next, like, drove the rest of the way, and uh, went to the March for Life together. It was beautiful to be able to experience that with them. I had been a couple years um, in a row with my grandparents. That My birthday is in January, so that was always what I wanted for my birthday, was to go to the March for Life with my grandparents. Um, but they're just getting older, and, you know, they, they weren't able to. So I walked into the center literally maybe a week and a half before the march, and I said, hey, guys, who wants to go to the March for Life? And people looked at me, and they were like, Liz, are, are you serious? Like, it's a week and a half away. And then we got seven people in my car, <laughs> and we went. And um, someone, an anonymous donor, gave us money to fund our trip. So we paid for nothing, which was we're very grateful for that. Um, and we were able to experience this together, and it was amazing so amazing just to see that many people from all walks of life all over the country come together to advocate for the unborn just my favorite thing my my favorite moments throughout my year definitely start in january in washington dc at the march so yeah another thing i was supposed to do with that was work at the pregnancy the pregnancy center here in athens which a lot of people don't know that we have um, what is a what is a pregnancy center? So, the Athens Pregnancy Center is geared towards women who are in crisis pregnancies, and they help you understand all of your options. That's not abortion, because a lot of people think you have two options and that's it. But really, there's so much more, and there's so many resources for women to get help. Um, or just to be, like, loved and supported through this because so many women are, you know, do struggle. Um, and it's good to just have a friend, to be your companion. So what, are, what are some of those options? Adoption is always an option. It's more so helping them understand what it means to be pregnant right now, like how they can live out this pregnancy and still be successful. How they, Because there are a lot of lies being told that if a woman is pregnant right now, and you're in college, or you're about to start a job, or you're in a part of your life where you don't think you could sustain this pregnancy, that it's just not viable and you shouldn't go through with it. And what they're doing is, you know, disarming that lie with the truth of this pregnancy can be empowering. This pregnancy is good. You know, like, it doesn't have, like, no matter what stems from it, life is life. God created this child in you, and it's beautiful, and recognizing the beauty of creating life um, as opposed to seeing it as a fetus <laughs> that amounts to nothing, which is untrue. So, yeah. But sadly, they were unable to take extra volunteers just because of COVID guidelines. So I didn't get to do that, but I'm excited for when they do open back up. I'm really excited to start volunteering there. It's going to be good. And I'll learn more about it <laughs> and be better, uh, be a better advocate no, once that, I'm that more awesome. educated. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Man, you, again, you were on fire. <laughs> you did, you've done so much. You've been involved in so much. Like there's something that is propelling you towards those who are in need. There's the spirit, right? Whoa. Call it, <laughs> call it the Holy Spirit. There's something, there's this spirit that is propelling you towards those who are in need. Uh, I think it's, it's beautiful. For me, 
So one of the things that I've experienced over my time is how I have, I have these encounters as well with different communities, with different people, and it sets me on fire, right? I feel like I'm um, being propelled out to those who are in need, uh, and it sets me on fire. And it's, it's such a tough thing because, like, when we talk about justice, justice says that uh, everyone is due something, and so let us give those, uh, let us give these individuals what is due to them. And so those who are poor, those who are homeless, uh, those who are at risk, uh, those who are imprisoned, imprisoned, living in poverty, etc. It's like something at least is due to them. Like if we just ask that basic general question about justice, what is due to them? Uh, we don't have to say that a million dollars is due to them, but like what is due to them? And what you mentioned is being seen, being acknowledged, uh, you know, befriended, uh, having some sort of basic human necessities such as socks, um, take, giving people education, uh, giving families education, helping them with uh, their kids being educated, uh, tutoring. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 as, it's very simple. Uh, but for me as well, I've, I've found that in my own life, I've been propelled out to those who are in need. I've picked up Spanish over the years. That's be- awesome. Because, and I, and which has sent me to Central America. Uh, I mean, I, I've been to all these countries. I've been to Nicaragua, El Salvador, Guatemala, Mexico. Um, I don't know if there's any more. <laughs> I've been to all these countries multiple times because, like, there's something about, and I'm not going down there to, like, do mission, but I'm going down there to learn the language so that I can come back here and do mission here uh, and to be with those people who uh, need, have needs and they need someone to stand up for them. They need someone like myself who is young, white, uh, and working in a church to stand up for them, to fight for them, to say mass for them, to hear their confession. Uh, it's, it's been interesting because for me it's, been, it's propelled me, and I love it. I love it. I've done prison ministry, done homeless ministry, um, prison ministry was, was interesting. I have a buddy in prison right now. So like I have this like ongoing prison ministry, uh, which <laughs> he is, showed me the list of, which is nice. Things he was asking. He, for. he sent me a list of <laughs> things. I asked him, I said, Hey, is there anything that you need? Uh, and like, let me know. And he sent me a list back with like all of these like basic things like, uh, that I could buy for him. Uh, basically send him the money and he will buy it and he will purchase it, which was like, I don't know, deodorant, toothpaste. Tapatio hot sauce. Tapatio hot sauce. <laughs> hot dogs. I'm like, all right, this is getting, this is again, this is getting a little weird. Uh, there, it was like, uh, it was like Asian, Asian style chicken tenders. I was like, what is he doing right now? But it's this, but I write letters to him and, uh, I mean, he's in there for a reason, right? And he's in there for the next X amount of years, and we can't change that. Uh, but, like, you can still, I can still talk to him. I can still befriend him because right now, especially during COVID, he's there for the next, or he's there in his cell six days a week out of seven, right? And he's locked up in there. And so, however, I can keep him company. I send him books. I send him comic books. And just, like, keeping his spirit alive. And I sent, I, 
and it, we he's Catholic, so I, I we I have religious conversations. And I mentioned one time to him about how like Christ has a preferential option for the poor. He Christ is with the poor in a special way. Period. And I and I would say and I probably extends to those who are imprisoned. Christ is with those who are imprisoned in a very special way. And it's kind of the mystery of Christianity. And he he says this, he responds. He says that I have experienced God in my own life and I have this confidence that he is with me even in this prison cell. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> preach. Yeah. Preach. St. Paul says a similar thing where we're listening to this on the weekend. St. Paul's writing uh, from prison to the Philippians. He's writing from prison in these different letters. And he says this line about how he, he was in prison because he was preaching Jesus in a community that didn't want that to happen. It was, they found it to be a threat. And so uh, he says that he is imprisoned for Jesus Christ which I think is a, a pretty cool image. Uh, just kind of having this confidence that, it, yeah, I'm in prison for Jesus Christ and I'm not going to change that. But my, my buddy has this, uh, has this sense that God is with him in a very real way and doesn't hold his worst sin against him or doesn't hold his worst action against him but it's very much so with him, just like he is with myself, and maybe even more so. Uh, maybe he's even uh, dwelling more so with him, and maybe even he's more aware of it than I am. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a, yeah, that's So I've awesome done prison ministry. So I went to a prison ministry as well in, in here in Georgia. Uh, it was a female prison ministry, and we were doing, uh, there's maybe three or four of us, we did like, RCIA and religious education, and we would do mass, and we did it every week. Uh, and there was one time where the bishop was coming. Wow! The bishop was coming to do baptisms and confirmations. And so, so it's funny because it was Bishop Archbishop, Archbishop William Gregory, uh, who I know, and he shows up to the prison. And he's like Brian. <laughs> What are you doing here? <laughs> I'm like, hey, welcome. Uh, welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. And so we do Mass. And in the middle of Mass, in a, in a normal year, we do baptism and we also do confirmation. The most powerful thing, one of the most powerful things that I've ever experienced is baptism and confirmation in a prison cell. It was, it was incredibly powerful to watch an individual, a gal, who has committed a heinous crime, who has made a huge mistake in her life, and now she has to suffer because of it, come to a point where she's done the hard work, and now she is acknowledging that, one, she can't do this alone, that there's a God that she wants to be in relationship with, and that she uh, wants to do this walk. She wants to become a uh, Christian. And so I remember at, at this mess that we're doing, I mean, imagine just kind of a bare uh, brick 
surrounding us and uh, mass is happening. The bishop is there in full you know, liturgical outfit, and there's this small bowl of water, and the individual leaning over this bowl of water, uh, and the bishop baptizing her in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the same thing with confirmation is we take this bishop, pulls out this chrism oil, and lays his hands on her as the apostle of Peter, uh, the apostle of Jesus, right, the, as the bishop, and lays his hands on this individual and then anoints her, rubs this chrism oil on her, uh, breathing this life breath of the Holy Spirit into this prison, into this prison cell, into this individual. Uh, it's incredibly, incredibly beautiful. And it's paradoxical, right? It's paradoxical. It's the same thing, again, with, with St. Paul, when St. Paul's in prison, and yet he's incredibly free, right? And in a prison cell, it's the opposite of freedom. A prison cell is you are contained. You are uh, not allowed out, right? And yet there's this freedom that's there. And that freedom is, it, it witnesses something that is beyond us. It witnesses something that, um, yeah, is incredibly, incredibly astounding and provocative. Yeah, that's definitely inspiring for, I know, like, hearing you talk for, to me to, I guess, lean more into, like, that freedom and surrender at where I am in my life, hearing how, you know, someone who, like you're saying, is in every aspect not free, like, accepting that freedom in Christ. That's awesome. So you can be outside of prison and, <laughs> and not free. Right? Exactly. You can be... That's very true. You can have everything in the world, material-wise, and still be poor, right? You can have, uh, it's the paradox of Christianity. It's the paradox of Christianity that uh, there's something, like Jesus says, the last will be first and the first will be last, right? And it's not to just confuse us, but there's a wisdom there. There's something about how in serving one another, we actually begin to align ourselves with how God sees with the eyes of Christ, with the eyes of God. Uh, and there's a wisdom in that teaching. So I've done pr prison ministry, which is awesome. Uh, and I have a buddy who's in prison. Uh, so I write letters to him, like I said. And I've done homeless ministry. Uh, when I was up in Chicago, I, I, studied, I studied up in Chicago. And we would do uh, like early morning food drops to those who are living in the streets of Chicago. And, uh, I mean, Chicago gets cold, right? It gets like Freezing. negative 10, negative 20. Yeah. And, but what's interesting about Chicago is Chicago has streets underneath of the city. And so it has like tunnel streets underneath the city. And so you have Wacker street, which is in like on top of, on top of the city, on top <laughs> of the ground. Right. And then below, Wacker Street is Lower Wacker. And so where we would go is we would wake up uh, early in the morning at like 4 o'clock and we would go down there before traffic begins and, be, and pull up next to individuals that we saw who were sleeping. Uh, and we would, they would, they would kind of be woken up by us because we would just pull up next to them, stop. Uh, but we would say, hey, what do you need? We have food, we have water, we have clothes, we have uh, jackets, all this stuff. That's and then, amazing. And then we would keep going and we would do kind of the same thing. Um, 
we'd offer them, we'd ask them their name, we'd talk to them, see how they're doing, see uh, what's what's going on. And the people, I wasn't fortunate enough to do this for like years, but people who were, who would do this for years, eventually you build relationships with people. Hey, how's Johnny? How's so and so? You know, where are they at? Where did they move to? Um, and everyone, I mean, it's just a community of people. And so everyone's kind of either hearing about each other or looking out for one another. Uh, I remember last time I did it, I took my brother with me, younger, same brother who's took, who taught me mushroom hunting. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we stumbled upon, and that was great in terms of bonding as siblings. And that was, uh, we stumbled upon maybe three or four guys who were about my age who were uh, shooting up heroin. So they had needles in their arms. Uh, and they're basically like passed out. Uh, and I remember like getting sick to my stomach because that's that's not a great image, yeah. right? It's not a great image to see, especially at 5 a.m. Um, but it's nonetheless, right? When we talk about the mercy of Christ, I mentioned it at Mass, we look past the sin of the individual and we embrace the person. We look past their worst action or we look past the the situation and we embrace the person, right? That was... So we talk, I talked about that with St. Saint Ma- Saint Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He was an extortionist. Jesus goes into his home. He, Jesus looks past his, his biggest sin. He looks past uh, his, his biggest evil, in a sense, and embraces Matthew. And Matthew ultimately becomes a saint, a martyr. Uh, so the same thing with these folks is like, man, I'm like trying to look past uh, the fact that they got needles in their arms, but... Uh, it's just a sad, sad reality. But all the more do they need help. All the more do they need assistance or, or somebody to uh, look past that and engage them and to see who they are rather than judge them or rather than look the other way. Uh, there is something about being seen and being acknowledged and being smiled at or in laughing with them, etc. Yeah. So I've done homeless ministry. Actually, homeless ministry was probably one of the reasons why I became a priest because um, prior to priesthood, like I was prior in my college years, what I would do with a few other folks is we would rate, we would buy tents for the homeless. And so we would go to some sort of like, I don't know, shelter or whatever, where everyone, all these folks would like hang out outside. And they'd live in these, live off the highway or they'd live in the trees somewhere well, a lot of them have to suffer through water like rain a lot of them have to suffer through uh, you know storms and cold weather and wind humidity etc yeah over the south <laughs> yeah and a lot of times their stuff is vulnerable just uh laying out and so buying them tents and, and doing like a tent drive we raise money and said hey if you buy if you donate 30 dollars like you can buy a tent for somebody Right, and so we just had all these tents that we had just handed out, uh, which is pretty cool. And that like stirred within me a, a passion for uh, passion for caring for those who are in need. Uh, and it was funny because one of those I remember I'm just thinking about it. One of those folks that they that we did serve ended up like becoming part of one of the guys' family, like the one of the folks that who we got the tent for eventually like this person was like invited back to their home uh to do a meal with them and eventually like they just started a relationship and every you know i don't know every week or whatever it's like they just be hanging out uh and so it's it's pretty powerful that's a witness in itself 
Uh, yeah. So we've done homeless ministry as well. It's very powerful. Spanish, uh, doing uh, ministry for uh, those who are refugees, migrants, immigrants, those who are uh, dreamers, those who, yeah, who don't have papers. That's a big thing. And it's, it's tough because it's, it gets super political, but at the same time, it's like, well, these are still families. These are still people. And so how can I help assist uh, all these individuals, all these families? And I love how the Catholic Church, we, have a, we, don't have a, we don't have an asterisk on who we serve. We serve indiscriminately. Is that a word? Uh, you made it one, if it isn't. It is. <laughs> Without discrimination, we serve. Right? It doesn't matter if you're Christian or not Christian. It doesn't matter if you are a citizen or not citizen. It doesn't matter your education level, your language. It doesn't matter where you're from or what you look like or what culture you're, you are. It doesn't matter if you believe in all of our doctrines or not. Uh, we're going to serve you out of our friendship with Christ, out of our relationship with Christ. It propels us to serve you in whatever way. Uh, and we believe that God shows up in a very powerful way. Uh, just in the midst where two or three are gathered. And we experience that. You experience that. Yeah. Right? You experience that in all the service opportunities that you're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. I've done uh, some work with refugees. This wasn't like hands-on work, but I did get to talk to folks. Uh, I don't know if I told you this. No, I, I don't think I went so. To, I, went to, I went to Eastern Europe. And also to gr- the country of Greece. And so I wow. went to Serbia and I went to Greece. Uh, and both of those trips were for uh, to see the and to meet individuals who were fleeing from the Middle East, who were refugees from the Middle East, from war, from terrorism, from, um, you know, extreme Islam. These families were uh, having to flee and move to Europe. Uh, and what I love about Europe is some of these countries are like incredibly welcoming to them, at least in terms of like civil rights. So like, I don't know, they would house them, they would give them food, water, they would shelter, give them shelter, etc. cetera. Uh, and so what I did is I went to go see the work that was being done with, with this, uh, with this uh, resettlement, what they call refugee resettlement or, um, yeah, or just uh, helping individuals get off the ground in terms of uh, basic necessities. So medical care, education, language, uh, translation, uh, sometimes counseling. Counseling is like a, counseling is pretty taboo, but doing some sort of like hardcore uh, you know, trauma work uh, for folks who are literally fleeing gunpoint, who are fleeing war, um, these are the services that are offered to, to families, to individuals. And so I went to go see the work that these, these folks were doing. Um, yeah, it's powerful. Powerful stuff. Actually, my shirt. Check this out. My shirt. Can you see it from there? See what it says? Clarkston. Clarkston. Yeah. What did you know about Clarkston, Georgia? I don't know anything about so Clarkston, Georgia. So Clarkston, Georgia <laughs> is... It's funny. I'm wearing a shirt. Clarkston, Georgia is the... Refugee resettlement capital of Georgia. So, refugee resettlement capital of Georgia. So, in Clarkson, Georgia, uh, all of people from all over the world, 
This is the legal process of resettlement. All over the world, individuals, men and women, families, uh, oftentimes vulnerable women uh, who are single, who, are, who just kind of uh, you know, eventually get here to the States, they go through this process and then the government uh, works with other organizations and other uh, charities, other uh, NGOs, nonprofits, and uh, what these nonprofits would do is that they set them with housing, they set them up with a tutor, they set them up with, uh, you know, a schooling, uh, all the resources that they need, uh, kind of giving them a guide. And uh, so Clarkston, Georgia is that, and if you go to Clarkston now, I mean, it's incredibly diverse. You have people from all over the world who are in this like super concentrated area. Uh, it's very cool. They have a coffee shop. So I forget the name of the coffee shop. I think it's Refugee Coffee or Refuge Coffee. I think it's Refuge Coffee, but it's ran by refugees. And so um, people who have fleed, who have fleed uh, different parts of the world for various different region, reasons went through the legal process here in the United States, resettled. Now they're trying to make a living for themselves here. And one of the things that this coffee shop is, uh, it's like a food truck. It's a it's a coffee truck. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> they they work there and they basically raise awareness for refugees and um, yeah, and they sell coffee, which is pretty good coffee. I'll have to try it out sometime. Yeah, Take a road co- trip. It's cool. It's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. You've done a lot of work in a lot of different ministries and got it's into very nice. Same thing with you. Yeah. Same thing with D- you. Very, like, You're all different. over the place. I'm all over the place. It looks very different, but, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really cool to hear your stories about that because mm-hmm. my service doesn't look like that, but I think it just goes to show, like, service can just happen in any aspect. It happens what you're passionate about, right? So yeah. I always try to encourage folks that whatever it is that you're passionate about is, like, to dive into that uh, and to find the people who are in need, to find the people who are... Uh, vulnerable, who are overlooked, who are the outcast. Um, right, there's a story in Scripture where it's Luke chapter 4 where Jesus goes into the synagogue and he enters the synagogue, walks in, he sits down, he stands up, grabs the scroll, which is the scroll from the prophet Isaiah, he opens it up and he finds the place where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has brought me to bring liberty to captives, to bring freedom to prisoners, and to bring sight to the blind. And then he closed the scroll and he sat back down. Mic drop. (laughs) The mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, it's basically his mission statement, right? He repeated the words of the prophet Isaiah, uh, took it upon himself and communicated to everyone uh, his mission statement, which is, I mean, it's awesome. And I think that over, over two millennia, um, we have, uh, kind of tried to follow that as disciples, as Christians, trying to follow that lead of service of, of serving one another. Yeah. You know, the story of Greg Boyle, I'm going to give you this book, Tattoos on the Heart. So I use this book for marriage preparation. (laughs) Uh, have I mentioned this to you? I don't think so. So I use it for marriage preparation, which is funny, uh, because it's a book about gangs and gang violence. And, but it's about this, it's a story, Tattoos on the Heart by Greg Boyle. Uh, it's a story about, uh, this priest who's alive right now in Los Angeles, who does gang ministry. Uh, 
And so he goes out on the streets and he uh, forms a relationship with gang members and has them get off the streets, gives them work, gives them homes, gives them education, all this stuff, all these resources. In 30 years he's been doing it, he's helped over 20,000 people. That's amazing. He's helped 20,000 people get out of gang life. And gang life is a disaster of a life, right? The, the life expectancy is not high. Uh, it's violence. It is drugs. It is all of this illegal activity. Uh, and again, what Greg Boyle does is he looks past the sin. He looks past their worst selves and he embraces who they are and wants to love them, wants to show them that they're loved. Uh, and uh, what he does is he helps all of these men and women, families. Uh, yeah, it's an awesome... That's like a very profound calling. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's very precise calling, Yeah. right? Uh, whereas for me, that's not my calling, at least at the moment, right? <laughs> Constantly uh, changing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Constantly st- changing, but still nonetheless being propelled to those who are in need. Uh, at the end of Mass, we say, uh, let us go in peace, let us go and announce the gospel of the Lord, let us, let us go. And there's this sending forth from this table that we have just dined at, just like Jesus dined with Matthew. We have just dined as sinners with Christ who looks past our sin, and now he sends us out to go be merciful, to go uh, be to, his to go, hands and feet. To like go be world. his hands and feet in the world. Yeah. You just mic dropped me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's this verse from Micah that I really like. Micah six eight. Uh, Micah is a, one of the prophets of the Old Testament. Um, what does the Lord ask of us to do? Justice, to have mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. To do justice, to have mercy and to walk humbly with our God. It's kind of like the synopsis of the Christian life. To do justice, to have mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Dogs Podcast. Catholic Center is located at 1344 South Lumpkin Street. For more info on how you can get involved, check out our Instagram at Catholic Dogs. See you at Mass.